0: Welcome to Talking In Stations, an Eve online podcast recorded live. I'm your host, Mataraw. Today we have Signal Cartel, which was founded in 2015 as a neutral, peaceful exploration corporation that has public service in their mindset and their culture, and they've been driven by a credo. And we'll find out what that credo is in just a minute. First I want to say hi and good morning to Kaskora.
1: Hi, good morning.
0: And Carneros. Hello, good morning. And from Signal Cartel, we have Minxie. Hi there. And we have Johnny Splunk. Hey, nice seeing you guys. Also from Signal Cartel, we have Thrice. Thanks for having me here. How do you say your name? Is it Hapus or Hapus? Hapus. Got it. From Wormlife Freeports, we'll be talking to Heretic. Hi, Heretic. Hey, guys. Okay. so let's actually start with Signal Cartel. If you do not know Signal Cartel, you have not been paying attention because they've been around for quite a while now. And they came on when they created EVE Scout. Why did EVE Scout come
2: about, by the way? Yeah, I can answer that. Mm -hmm. Um, Me and my buddy, Gatekeeper, we founded it in December 2014 when uh, Sarah and a bunch of the Shattered Wormholes were discovered or revealed, I should say, by, if you guys remember, the Caroline Star incident. And so we used to live in wormholes, just me and him. We just lived in a C2. And we knew kind of, even though it was just the two of us at the time, uh, we knew the importance of keeping track of your ins and outs of the wormhole. And at the time, I think we just did it like in our little message of the day, because we might log in at different times of the day. And uh, when we found out about Thera uh, through the Dev Notes, we kind of were kind of really interested in the idea of it because there's something special It was the only named wormhole only place that had uh, stations at the time we didn't have citadel so it was just pauses and um, that it would be the most connected system in all of new eden and so we thought hey this would be a good opportunity to um, share with the community um, the ins and outs of thera in a very approachable manner uh, meaning you didn't need to like have any special login or It wasn't going to be done with Google Docs, that sort of thing. So we just made a very simple website. And then the first day that Thera was, um, I guess, open to us or that we got our our first way in, um, we started mapping in and out of Thera. And that's how we got started. And almost immediately, we became the de facto source for the information. And we've been running it every day since.
0: Well, that was it. That's what I was looking for. You guys came up uh, when Thera was... um introduced into the game, which is actually the biggest system in the game. And we can talk about that in a little bit. And you guys had made ways in uh, for other people to, to enjoy Thera as well, which is very much a public service. And so that's kind of at the beginning of when you guys were introduced. And you guys decided to pick up Minxie
2: Y. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when we started this service, it was just me and my buddy for maybe probably like the first 48, 72 hours. And it was pretty hectic, obviously, trying to keep this up to date. And so we were taking shifts, that sort of thing. But obviously, we knew that wasn't sustainable. And so we started inviting other people. Didn't matter their affiliation. Um, They could have been part of any group that wanted to help out with this. And there was no monetary gain for anyone, that sort of thing. But if they just kind of, I guess, caught the same idea that we had as far as being a service to New Eden then they could join us. And so Minxi was one of the first uh, few that joined us. And so we had kind of like our little back channel as well that we got to coordinate and communicate. And um, from there um, we started to see kind of this trend of a bunch of other explorers that had similar, I guess, um, attitudes and also maybe wanted to form something bigger. And at the time we didn't want to be a corporation. We didn't really kind of see that. We just wanted to be a service. and again, allow anybody to join us. And so Minxie, um became kind of a, she kind of stood out early and I didn't even know about Mingcy's past. I've been playing since 2011, but I didn't know Mingcy as a CSM member. I didn't know her as the CEO and founder of Hellcats. I didn't know any of that, but she just immediately kind of stood out as most leaders do. And so as we saw this opportunity to start a corporation, um, me and uh, my buddy Gatekeeper we kind of didn't want to run the day-to-day. We wanted to be involved, but we thought, hey, let's look for other people that could help us with this idea of an explorer-centric corporation that could support our, other, our efforts, like with Thera and anything else we might really want to do. And so we invited Mixi along. Now, how
3: did you first meet Mixi? Did she just show up in the, in the corporation and then you got to know her?
2: She just showed up um, helping out with Thera. And so how did you find them?
4: Well, I had returned to the game that previous April and um, coasted through a few corpse and tried to find my feet as a pirate again, but I was bored out of my mind with it. So I just started wandering wormholes, which is what I used to do back in the day when I just needed to kind of think in the game. And um, I ended up in, in Thera and ended up, I don't know how I... Oh, I used the website to get there because I thought I could magically find it and discovered that wasn't the case. And uh, I thought I could magically find Thera and discovered that wasn't the case. And then I saw the mention of the website on Reddit or somewhere, and I went, and went, oh, my God, magic, I can get there from here. So I went in there, and I inquired about s- scanning as a scout, and that's what I started doing. And we just got to be buddies um, I can't even remember what we were using for chat. I guess in game channels back then. And um, we didn't have Discord back then. And, uh, you know, we just we just hit it off just like you do with some people in EVE.
2: Yeah, I think the first time we spoke by voice was introducing Minxie to the idea of the corporation of this kind of crazy yeah. thing with Credo and that sort of thing. That was, that was like one of the first times. I think we maybe spoke once before by voice just talking about her being a scout.
0: Now, she's the ex-pirate, so how did she take that credo? Like,
4: <laughs> Oh, well, I laughed at him. I went, that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> that's completely nuts. Nobody's going to join this corp. And maybe, okay, well, it'll be 25 people. That'll be fine. I can handle that. You know, mainly what I cared about them was scanning. I loved scanning. I still love scanning. I love it. It's like one of my favorite things to do in the game is just scan signatures. Um, because it's it's relaxing somehow. But uh, I think it's that probe noise that they make.
0: I, I, yeah, that is a nice noise. I need to push back though, because I find it really frustrating. Uh, don't, is it something that you've always found easy? Because it used to be really difficult to like get that hey, last bit of triangulation to get matter
4: the Matter all. Get on my level, okay?
1: <laughs> get good, scrub. <laughs> also, I, I will say scanning in the old days was a pain because you had yeah. to move all your probes individually. Now so the, you have yeah. the nice setups, pre-setups right. that make it easy. And you can set your own to, if you find like a system that works really well to get it pretty consistently. And a lot of yeah. those good scanners will have that. They'll have like a pretty much a guaranteed system that they can like three shot a signature or two shot a signature or something two like shot, that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
4: If you have the right implants and not even the most expensive ones and your skills are all up to five because that looks really good on your character sheet anyway. <clears throat> not OCD or nothing, but anyway. How I pick skills to train is are they at five yet? No, I'm training them. Okay. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, and then I, I usually can two shot a wormhole most of the time. So I start at 8 AU and do that first pass and then see all the little red dots and pick one, go down to 2 AU and bam.
1: I want to go ahead and I want to talk a little bit too about Sarah. Because I know you guys are, it's all centered on Thera, which is this crazy system that I'm not sure maybe some people know about or they ever go to for any reason. Um, but Thera was added in, was it the Phoebe patch, I believe? It was
4: uh, December 2014.
1: Yes. Um, it is the largest system in size in the game. How, how big is this thing? It's, it's humongous.
4: Like 364 AU, something like that.
1: Well, the thing with Sarah, which is unusual, is that for most wormholes, you have one or two static connections, and then you can get some wandering connections in them as well, um, depending on the static. But with Sarah, it's got dozens of connections at any given time, and it always has like so many K-space connections, so many wormhole connections, and plus it has extra possibilities as well it and so there's just tons and tons and tons of connections which makes it a really great location for scanning for exploration for for transport for moving around because you can see what systems are there and I know personally I love that Usca has the map because if I need to get somewhere or I'm like lost somewhere out in the middle of nowhere I can always look to Thera and see if there's a chance that I can get back in a different way than just going you know f- 52 jumps through NOLSEC or something like that.
4: Hey, back to the original question, I think was it was just, you know, how I got on board is and they just asked me to CEO this exploration corp for the basically that the scouts that were scouting forth there for Eve Scout wanted their own little corp. Um, and that was kind of the genesis of Signal Cartel.
3: I remember the first time I ran into you in Eve Vegas after you had done that. Uh, and I remember the The total sense from you of how much you were enjoying this new mission, how much you loved it and and I remember your surprise at how many people ended up signing up to join you.
4: I'm still surprised at that to this day. I think we've pro Johnny can correct me, but I think we've processed around forty five hundred applications, which by some corpse measures is tiny, but for us it was a lot. and the thing of it is is because of the credo, because of our self-imposed constraints, everything is harder and more challenging and more interesting and more nuanced and requires a lot more thought than anything I have ever done in EVE before. And it's a huge um, people management challenge and interesting thing. Because people are the most interesting thing in EVE, obviously. Mm.
0: Was that Thrice you wanted to say something there?
5: i just agreeing that p- it's the people that make uh, the game and what we do in it very interesting.
0: Well, so who who can, uh, we'll do some just who, what, when, there are questions. Um, who can join?
5: Anybody.
4: Anybody can like join. Anybody? Anybody. Uh, like the really only thing, anybody, anybody? The, the only people that I decline based on who they are are people that have that I, know, that I have been, had alts in the court before and I connected them to, and they cause trouble and they get on my personal ban list. Uh, or people who have been identified on Eve who is corp thieves, I will decline their apps. Because, you know, I mean, my job is to foster a community and if someone has a rep as a troublemaker, they're unlikely to get in. But any, we don't do a lot of background checking on people because I personally prefer to wait until they get in and then they cause trouble. And I'm very good with the kick button and I just get rid of them. So I
0: got, got a heavy hand on that.
4: <laughs> I just, I have a community to foster and I will foster that community and our reputation and no individual counts more than
1: that. Amen. I, I actually am kind of curious too. So you have this, this credo, you do all this exploration. So I imagine that people are kind of in game, all spread out. So how do you Everybody, bring them all together yeah. as a community?
4: In chat and on our forums and in Discord. Uh, we have a very active forums. It's insanely active. And uh, our Discord's pretty active. Uh, and people are just active. But I mean, we, this is a thing... We can discuss this later when it comes to the question of burnout. Johnny and I decided early on we were not going to be the content providers. And with pe- that many people in the corporation, if you can't self-organize and you know do stuff that's interesting with your court mates, that's not our problem. That's not our job to make you happy. So,
2: and I think it's the also because we're so nomadic as individual players, we don't have a central place where it's real easy to see everyone's in a station, ship spinning, or board, we all kind of are used to our individual play styles and how we have to go out and make stuff happen for ourselves. And so we do come together for fleets occasionally, but the majority Mm -hmm. of our play is individual. And so having a great, um, our alliance chat is the coolest alliance chat you've ever seen. And I've been in a few. Um, Again, our forums and other, other communication platforms provide a... A point of contact for our people that are kind of spread all out to still be part of something and more importantly like everyone has an identity as well whereas in the past if they were just flying on their own they were just maybe an npc corp or in a corporation that didn't really support their preferred play style and so we provide that identity and also a social platform and then um, places of encouragement and also maybe new content that they haven't thought of
0: No. So we know Signal Cartel, and uh, we know how you met now, and have we actually covered your credo? Like, what's in that?
4: (laughs) No. um, Basically, the credo defines us, it's the underlayment, it's it's the foundation for our culture. We are neutral, which means we don't get involved in other people's problems or act you know, activities, we are non-aggressive, we're peaceful, we do not initiate aggression against others, and uh, we're service-minded. And it goes into a little more detail than that. Um, But basically, we can defend ourselves if we're attacked, and I encourage my pilots to do that. And we, I must say, we do have a lot of very capable, many ex-pirate pilots, which is surprising to me, who are very capable of defending themselves. But what's really funny about that is Many of them choose not to. Everybody likes the cat and mouse game a lot better. And when you're the mouse and you manage to escape, it's actually just that you get the shakes just as well as, or just as strongly as when you do uh, PVP. So um, anyway, so the credo goes on to talk about friendship, that we have a friendly attitude. We're gracious in the face of challenges and shed no tears. Uh, and I have had many opportunities to counsel people who can't handle ship losses and smack talk or put bounties on people or do other things that are not at all gracious. Um, And some people, the light will dawn on them, and then some people just leave the corp and tell me that I can't tell them how to play, and I'm just like, yes, I can, and signal cartel. (laughs) So if you don't want to play our way, have a nice day.
0: And so that cracks me up because it reminds me of how little kids run away from their parents just giggling.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like
0: they're activating the same sense of like excitement.
4: Yeah. So, uh, you know, so I don't know if you want to, I, I don't want to read it. Johnny, Johnny probably has more words about it. I have to say that Johnny's the one who really wrote the foundation of the credo. And he sent me this little document with his six or eight bullet points. And I just went, okay. Really, I don't know if anybody is going to follow this, but we'll see. And um, here we are. So Johnny, you should talk about it a little bit because you really are the creator of the credo in its first form.
2: Yeah, well, it's fun how it did manifest because coming up with the bullet points, it was me and Gatekeeper, but I was like, kind of like, the, he worried more about kind of logistics and organization. And then I worried more about like, what did it would look like and how it would feel and be. And so my experiences in other corporations and alliances kind of thought, maybe let's experiment with something different. And then it wasn't a, it, it could be seen as a reaction, I suppose, but it wasn't a, I guess, a judgment on how other players um, behave in game or how they interact with others. But it was just like, let's see what this would look like if we did it a little differently. And so having those bullet points at the very beginning, yeah, it was kind of just crazy throwing it out there. And even my buddy Gatekeeper, he um, at first didn't believe even have Minksy because she was, and how this might actually mix with the credo because, yeah, she was an ex pirate, right? But in, in and many
4: wanted. ways. And wanted. Oh, yeah. Sex death. <laughs>
2: That's right. That's right. Um, you well, have a bounty it, on your head. Yeah. Yeah. She's wanted. We shouldn't, you know, but um, it, it also kind of lends to how we are open and, and more inclusive of all you know different players and how anybody's welcome to join us and so that i think has given us a little bit more credibility in that even because we get a like site oh minksy was a ex pirate so she knows um all it's not like we're all just like a bunch of care bears like we can fly with teeth if we want it to and so then when we approached with minksy and she she actually wrote the what you see on the website and it hasn't really changed in um, all our time now and that i think also provided ownership of Minksy for Minksy as well, because we came to her with this idea and um, that it's an experiment. And yeah, we only really thought 30 people might join and probably the only people that were already just involved in Thera yeah. maybe. Right. But she really kind of um, became an owner of it. And she, I think is even more um, aggressive or I guess, protective yeah. of our neutral um, uh, uh <laughs> What we'd like to do in the game, and so it's it's been really kind of fun to see her. I really don't have much more to add ex- that than Mixi does because she lives it, and she has to, um, you know, make sure that internally, culturally, like that, that is upheld. She's like our first like line there as far as if incidents happen, and then I well, will typically come and help out after. How
0: important is it to have that person that is really really strong with that kind of uh, mission statement, like kind of not only enforces it but embodies it, that sort of thing
2: well of course it's incredibly important when they're in a leadership perspective and then what's nice is is that and i think Mixi would uh, resonate with this is that all of our members that become invested they all internalize the credo and that's kind of what our goal is that we don't have a kind of the 10 commandments of single cartel or the credo it doesn't really have that it's mainly an idea and so some people interpret it on like kind of a far spectrum some people kind of approach it very kind of, um, I, don't, I don't want to say religiously, but they take it very seriously. And then some are just kind of like, well, I can follow this. This is, seems an okay way. And I'm, I'm playing a game, that sort of thing. Um, and so a lot of our members really just kind of carry the torch as well. So from a cultural sort of thing, it kind of started at the top. But over time, we have members like Thrice, who's joining us today, who I would say is a very good example of someone who um, internalized the credo loves the play style and has now become a leader that now is also propagating that as well and, and maintaining that culture.
4: I will say at the early days, it was very time consuming and really kind of exhausting um, to curate the credo and to curate our core culture because it just didn't have its own legs yet. And it takes a lot of effort to get something to be self-sustaining And I don't think we had as many, we have right now in our credo, we list some prohibited activities like piracy, baiting, scamming, you know, putting bounties on people, messing with soft structures, all that stuff is prohibited. We didn't used to have such a long list, but it's so exhausting to continuously explain to people why those things are not acceptable behavior under our credo that we finally just added them because it makes it easier for me to curate the credo and, and just to point to it and say, can't you read, you know, <laughs> it's about, black and white right there.
3: See, what about making an alt and uh, putting it in the, uh, burn program just for a week, just for fun. During <laughs>
4: it's
3: like a holiday.
4: I if I only had time. Yeah. <laughs>
3: I don't mean you have to do it. I mean, is it is it against the? Rules? Oh no, we
4: don't care what people do on their alts. I don't care. I don't. Your character in Signal and its behavior is all I care about. I mean, if anybody who pays to me to my attention on Twitter knows that I have an ongoing banter with Doom Chinchilla from Pandemic Legion about his so so his alts that are in Signal Cartel.
3: No, rest in peace, Marshall.
4: I have no idea, you know, who his alts are, and I don't care. As long as whoever is in signal is living by our rules, then they're fine. I, so,
3: I don't know. I wouldn't bring up the PL relationship.
4: Oh, there, it's not just PL. There's plenty of other groups that have alts in signal. And I'm quite sure that a lot of them are doing things that if I knew about them, I'd kick them right out. But I can't, you know, I don't. I'm not telepathic, so I address the issues when I discover them, either through third-party intel or through my own research or just blatant misbehavior. And the rest of the time, I just have to understand my limitations, right?
3: Mixie and I are wise. Uh, I'm quite a bit older (laughs) than she is, at least when you look at us. No,
4: you're not. I'm older than you.
3: (laughs) One of the life lessons you learn along the way is, don't ask any questions that you don't want the answer to.
4: <laughs> oh,
3: uh-oh. <laughs> well, uh, or
4: but- in this case, don't dig yourself into a hole you can't dig your way out of. This is the problem. There's there's information you just can't know. So I don't worry about it. I worry about what I can know. I worry about what information I have to work with. And that's that's what I deal with.
0: Yeah, and not in hypotheticals. Hey, right. Thrice, what, what do you think of the credo? And uh, what's your relationship with... I mean, how do you feel being in Signal Cartel?
5: Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, to talk about the Credo specifically, um, as far as do the line members own that, I can kind of give that perspective. Um, I would say absolutely. You know, when I first joined Signal Cartel, uh, encouraged by what I read in the Credo that that would be a place that I could call home, I really saw that modeled just day in and day out on the forums, uh, in our alliance chat interactions between uh, not just leadership and members of the court, but between members themselves. Um, And, you know, we get uh, debates that happen on our forums about the credo, you know, what about this scenario? What about this situation? Uh, You know, where's the line? How close up to the line can I get? And, um, you know, you can tell pretty quick who's trying to figure out way around the credo (laughs) and maybe doesn't really like the constraint of the credo and and who is happy to live within those constraints and find a way to uh, access content in the game that fits within that. Um, You know, for me personally, uh, the first sentence of the credo really is all you need. Um, And if you need more explanation than just that first sentence, you're probably trying to push beyond the boundary of it. Because the first sentence just says, Signal Cartel is a service corporation to all of New Eden. Well, everything else follows from that. Um, If we're to serve all of New Eden, we have to be neutral. You know, you can't pick sides. And if we're going to... uh, truly be of help, be a service to folks, then we can't be aggressive. You know, we can't fire the first shot ever. Um, And so it all kind of follows from there. And all of the little details that have been added to the end of the credo saying these specific activities are prohibited aren't really necessary if you get the spirit of being a service corporation to the entire cluster, uh, plus Anoikos, you know, and and that's, uh, you know, that's really resonated with me.
0: So, do you have any uh, any people who are like, you know, there's some fans of Star Wars that treat being a Jedi like a religion. Do you have any people like that?
4: Uh, we get people who are pretty um, strident, I guess is a word I would use about the credo, and they want to get they want to get everybody else on board with their interpretation of it. But oh, we they have... start
0: beating people over the head with their version of it.
4: With nuance, yeah. And the thing is, we deliberately left it a little squishy so that people could embrace it on their own terms uh, within some fairly flexible boundaries. And because everybody comes to it uh, slightly differently. And we see that play out in these discussions and debates that we have, which I love. I love them. I love to see how they play out. I love to see how people think. It's always surprising to me how much people invest. In thinking about what is right and wrong under the credo.
0: Yeah, um, like you guys are known as you know because you do the wormhole thing. Is that where you guys live, and is that where you guys uh, spend all your time?
4: Uh, we have members everywhere. If you look at if you look at the map that shows the location of all our members, it just looks like someone threw a handful of salt across the Eve map. Um, not real salt. <laughs> Not the not the game. Sugar not salt. Yeah, sugar sugar, sugar <laughs> thing, um, that's a good idea. But anyway, so everybody lives everywhere. They can we don't dictate where people live. They can live where they want. We have uh, people who wander solo and live in wormholes, they'll backpack into wormholes for a few weeks at a time. We have a group that actually lives in wormholes with structures, and we have people that never leave high sec. Uh, It's it's their choice, really. Uh, They do. I do kind of want people to be engaged in some form of exploration. So when I know members who really aren't, I may talk with them and ask them. You know, a lot of people like to join us for our community, but if we want to maintain our identity and mission purpose, then exploration really needs to be a part of their activities. And sometimes they don't do that because they're afraid. So I try to talk to them and see what I can do to encourage them to jump into a fleet or just kind of go out and get a taste of actual real exploration in the scary places. Mm -hmm.
0: So this is interesting because, uh, and we talked earlier about um, some of the things that are unique about signal cartel. And one of them was that you, you provide content for your uh, people uh, or your group, not based on mechanics. Can you explain that?
4: Well, I mean, we don't go, actively engage in conflict with people so pvp is not an option for us as content we engage with the mechanics of the game to the extent that we're working you know exploration sites and stuff like that but the role play and lore is of great interest to a lot of our members so quite a lot of our um activities incorporate those things and maybe i could ask thrice to talk about the rescue of sky diamond as an example of the kind of amazing creative content that our folks come up with.
5: Sure. Um, This was something that just happened recently in Corp. Um, Early March, mid-March was the one year anniversary of our rescue, the modern era of our rescue program when we got rid of the spreadsheet and converted everything over to a database with proper data entry tools and allowed us to do a lot more uh, tracking and all that. So for that one year anniversary, I wanted to have a big event, make it something fun and memorable. And I was approached by one of our uh, recruiters, uh, Sky Diamond, and uh, that player had an, an idea for a, a staged rescue operation where uh, they would get lost in a wormhole somewhere. And we would leave little clues for folks um, that they would have to then put together to figure out the system And then once they'd figured it out, they'd have to actually get there Uh, with wormhole connections being random like they are. um, You know, that in itself would be uh, part of the event. So um, a lot of work went into developing the story for that. So there was a a role play story being presented on the forums that people could participate in and interact with. Um, The puzzle itself, uh, we had a couple people dedicated just to Uh, making the puzzle and uh, getting the pieces of that lined up in a way that would be challenging and yet doable. Um, We had other folks that were helping with timeline to make sure, hey, we don't want this to drag on for a month. We want this thing to be, you know, done in a week. And so how do we speed it up where we need to or apply the brakes where we need to? Um, So I would say we do use the game mechanics a lot, but we're finding ways to make the mechanics fit what we want to do with them and not necessarily maybe the way anybody else intended. So, you know, that's, that's just Eve, right? That's what we all do in the sandbox is we figure out uh, how to make the, the game play the way we want it to play and not necessarily the way CCP or anybody else intended. So, um, and that rescue, by the way, was a huge success. Uh, we had lots of feedback from folks uh, saying things like this is the most fun I've had in uh, playing a game ever in my whole life. You know, this was amazing. Uh, Brand new people to the corporation were like, hey, is this stuff you guys do all the time? Because this is insane. You know, like this is amazing, the amount of work that went into this. And um, so, and there were actually physical prizes that Sky had made up uh, that got mailed out to everybody that wanted to uh, give them their address uh, that participated in the event. So we had little Eve Scout uh, coasters that had been made up, which was kind of cool. So that's just an example of some of the content that we do on a pretty regular basis in Signal Cartel.
4: And I'd like to just build on that just for one second to say that some of, that, some of the clues and puzzles were, were corrupted audio files, and they, they were rather elaborate. So a lot of work went into creating um, the puzzles and the clues for that event, and it was just quite impressive. And then you guys we need have... to do
1: one of those breakout rooms, like <laughs> make everyone go to a wormhole and roll all the connections and make a breakout.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then we have, you know, like,
4: for example, one of our guys, a dead parrot, who I'd asked to be on the show today, but I think he was busy or something. He, but He's shy. Yeah, shy. He created... Allison, which is an AI co-pilot that our pilots fly with, which runs in a browser and talks to us and tells us information about wormholes and whether caches need to be tended or sown there um, and what war deckers are up to if there's recent information that's of interest and whether there's gate camps. And she occasionally makes snarky remarks and she's pretty funny. So that, I can't even imagine flying now without Allison. I mean, she's just a remarkable.
0: she have a nice voice?
4: She has a sort of an aura-like voice, I guess.
0: That's what kept me in the game when I started. It's like yeah. this girl's talking to me in a spaceship. Yeah. That never happens. Go hang out. <laughs> <laughs> a girl,
4: a girl's talking to me. But anyway, so, I mean, that's kind of the kind of stuff that, that our people are doing, and it's just kind of fascinating to see. We have we have someone who started a fleet school, so they want to train newer players who want to learn how to FC. And want to, like they'll take, we have these expedition triptychs that, that we publish, and they're just little, they're like one-sheet, Uh, it was kind of like what AAA used to give people when you want to go on a trip, they'd map out your route for you and everything. So these just kind of list sites of interest that are related somehow with a little bit of information and links to more information. And that's our, uh, the fleet school sometimes uses those to train new FCs because they're kind of low pressure uh, fleet activities And people have more time to think about what they're doing rather than worrying about keeping everyone safe. Um, So just, just all kinds of stuff like that.
0: That's amazing that you guys are able to build that. So it's uh, someone that it's giving you reminders and and it's audible. Oh, Uh,
4: Allison, Yeah. How much,
0: how much work would that have been?
4: Thrice can speak to that. I just, I kind of just sit in my office and eat bonbons and, or fly out oh, of my estero yeah. and take advantage of all this stuff. <laughs> like it...
1: you got the best situation going
4: uh,
0: here.
1: Uh,
0: I know you work hard. I know you do.
4: <laughs> so Therese, can uh, you talk a little bit about the effort that has gone into Allison and what all she does?
5: Sure. Um, so March of last year, a year ago, March was, uh, this data anniversary for the rescue programs. And it was just a few weeks after that, probably a year ago, this time, uh, early April that a dead parrot approached me and said, Hey, I got something cool. I want you to check out. And he sent me a link and, uh, I, I didn't know him that well at that point, but I went ahead and clicked onto that link and, uh, he said, okay, so you got to fly out into space and, um, you know, jump from one system to another. And, uh, so I did that. And when I went through, you know, here's this, uh, voice speaking to me in my, my headset saying, you know, there've been so many kills in the last hour in this system. And, uh, she had kind of a snarky comment. And, uh, anyway, that was like the very first introduction I had to Allison. and, uh, Parrot has really dreamed that whole thing up. Uh, he's, uh, the main developer on that. We do take suggestions from everyone in the corp as far as things that they'd like her to say that they think would be funny. So she has a whole repertoire now of jokes and she does a pre flight uh, briefing when you first log in, where wow. she'll tell you the weather report, uh, which are always quite humorous. We get an update on Minxie's mood each day. So is <laughs> Minxie in a good mood? Do you need to give her some space? You know, so we get an update from Allison on that. Um, Good day to
0: ask a question kind of thing.
5: (laughs) And then there's a lot. We got a lot of configuration options. So, you know, if you want her to not talk so much, you can dial that back. If you want her to be very chatty, you can turn it up and she'll talk a lot. Um, When you're in a wormhole, she can remind you to hit D scan every so often. She won't actually do it for you because that wouldn't be good, but she does remind you. Audibly to, hey, probably need to hit D scan. She'll remind you to bookmark your exit wormhole because that's something I still forget to do all the time. And I love the fact that now I don't forget because Allison reminds me. A um, lot of quality of life stuff like that. Um, and there's actually a lot more coming uh, over the next few months. And I'm kind of sworn to secrecy, so I can't talk too much about it today. But uh, if you're interested in any of that, if that sounds like cool stuff, now's a great time to. Be part of Signal Cartel because there's a lot of fun things coming just in the next few months.
3: How you know, incredibly
5: cool! I'm really yeah. impressed. Bravo! Yeah,
3: <laughs> a tool like that that also gave the Matani's mood. I would. <laughs>
1: I'm sure someone would find a way how to weaponize that, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, there's still people in chat who are like, "Wait, what? What? You know?" And that's really that's uh, the same impression we have. Like, you know, you built an aura. Uh, that's amazing.
4: The other thing she but does these. is she, um, she if, if any of our pilots fly into a wormhole for which we have an active search request, she pings leadership or the, the, the rescue team leads so that we can actively make sure that someone stays in that wormhole and we send a message to the pilot who's put in the rescue request and...
5: Yeah, I'm doing a bad job as the head of our rescue stuff. Um, that's why Allison was created, was to help our pilots who were out sewing and tending our rescue caches. Her original function, all she did uh, in wormhole space was she would tell you the status of the rescue cache in the system. So she'd say there there is one here or there's not. And if there was, she would tell you if it had needed to be tended or not wow. um, that that was her original functionality and today she does that plus she lets us know if it's an active uh, search and rescue system and alerts get sent out on discord to a uh, quite a wide network now of people we have about thirty five people who are committed uh, rescue team members who are involved in getting those alerts and making sure we basically always have somebody online to help out with uh, rescue activities as well so it's just
0: brilliant
4: I just want to point out that all of this stuff happened without Johnny or me being involved except very peripherally to you know lend leadership advice or whatever. This is what we encourage our members to do. I have this little mantra, "Be the content you want to see and signal and because i 'm not doing it for you, and so when you make that the the way of life then people rise to the occasion and this is the kind of stuff you get it's amazing
0: yeah well i mean we're talking artificial intelligence you guys are working with artificial intelligence to help you do the tasks that you need to but also to i imagine keep everybody up to date on things that's just amazing
3: it's not just the tool it's also the other content that you're creating, the contests, the rescue service, the activities you do. As a game dev, I have to say there's nothing more satisfying and exciting than seeing your players take the basic systems you built and then go and invent new and creative ways to play with it and new and creative content. That's fantastic.
0: Let's actually move on to uh, introduce another person here, and that is Heretic. And you work with um, Wormhole Freeports. Do you want to describe what that is?
6: Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, to start with, we're we're basically a a low-class Wormhole Alliance. And uh, as a side project, almost an experiment uh, a while back, we decided to start off with a a wormhole freeport network, just to see what would happen. To be honest, I wasn't quite sure how it would work or how, it would, uh, be, how effective it would be. Uh, we tried a few other things too. We had a, uh, a couple hundred POCOs in HiSec for a while. We sold that; those assets off just recently. Uh, and we were also aware, of course, of the uh, Oasis attempt, uh, which, for those who don't know, was a attempt to put a single large, uh, very controlled. Uh, Freeport in a, I believe it was a C4. Uh, so we looked at a lot of the lessons that you could take from that, and we decided to take sort of a different approach to that. And so instead of going with a one very heavily invested centralized approach, we decided to go with a much more distributed approach. So we now have 15 wormhole, uh, wormhole free ports. Uh, they're all very low footprints. We don't try to police the systems or anything like that. They're open for everybody. Uh, we do control the POCOs. So that's how we basically attempt to at least pay for the fueling.
0: Wild. what what gave you this idea?
6: Uh, so it's a few things. I mean, part of it is, is that I, I mean I see, I mean, my my job primarily as I see it uh, in wormlife Life is to, Uh, create a, a context for our members to uh, be effective and do the parts of EVE they like and part of that obviously comes down to content and in EVE uh, very often because it is a pvp uh, big game that is often translated into combat but the reality is, is is that EVE is what you make of it and content can be a lot of different things to different people and so we have a lot of industrialists we have people who are explorers and uh, we also have people who are very interested in infrastructural build-out and so the Freeport project was at least started, I mean, part of it was as a service to uh, other players to bring more people into wormhole space because that's uh, often a problem uh, with as many, you know, you get an eviction and in wormhole space, the cost of an eviction is tough and it's rough and you sometimes wind up driving people out of wormhole space. So one of the things we were trying to do is to find a avenue to bring more people into it and more new players into it. Uh, Obviously, it was also an attempt to provide us with content because, you know, someone attacks a free port, awesome, that gives us free content. Uh, People need scan-ins, that's content, you know, et cetera. Finding a new free port, establishing a new one, that's content. And sometimes that's diplomatic, sometimes that's bashes, it varies.
0: Is it true that uh, people don't like being uh, evicted, (laughs) Keskora? Is that true?
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, I'd say, you know, one out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if I complained about losing a Titan, Kescor would just roll her eyes at me.
1: <laughs> I don't even remember the final count for our wormhole system. Some, I think we hit a trillion disc or some stupid amount. I need to stop being a wormhole hoarder.
0: Yeah, that's like, wow, that's a lot. Um, It's a lot of stuff that got blown up or uh, taken hostage.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I will have to say that there's something, I don't know, kind of interesting and kind of, I don't know. I I like the idea of having kind of a nomadic group, but there's like little pockets of of citadels kind of spread all over the place that you can kind of like, you know, have all your vacation homes and kind of stop in for the day and do some things and then leave. And it's definitely a different way of life. And I think it's really cool that the game is kind of adapted to have that.
4: You know, we have a group called the Anoacus division and I think we have structures in three wormholes. I can't remember how many it is now, but our take on it is, uh, we set up a group, and it's a subscription only group, so you have to pay ISK to be in the Anosk division, and it's that fund that ISK funded their um, citadels. And there, the big question with our creed always came up: "Well, can't we defend them?" And I'm like, "No, you can't defend them. Uh, you can you can take control of the pos and use the pos defenses, but." Um, you can't form a fleet to defend the structures because we consider them lost the minute we anchor them. And that's been a very freeing kind of an attitude, I must admit.
6: Yeah, we have an interesting balance of that because, so in addition to our Freeport network, our alliance also maintains several uh, wormhole systems that are just for our alliance. And we actually keep those fairly segregated. Uh, and it's an it, it is kind of interesting balance. I mean, on the one hand, our home sys aligned systems are very much more conventional in terms of we will shoot, uh, but in our freeport systems, we won't shoot first. So it's kind of an odd hybrid between uh, a conventional wormhole group and Signal Cartel, for example. Uh, and in fact, that's that's one of the 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 reasons when we became familiar with Signal Cartel and started having interactions with them, uh, it, it was there's a couple of interesting conversations.
1: Yeah, there's just something so freeing about that idea, you know, like most worm haulers, like your home is your, your shrine, your sanctuary and something about being just like on the wild West where you can, you can go out and you don't have to worry about that, you know, protecting that thing. So, so carefully it's, especially right now sounds pretty awesome.
4: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> it might just be a mental outlook. I don't know. I just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, sure I, has- I personally just don't, don't care about, all that stuff i don't attach any value to it i figure if it's self supporting and it's and we can replace it with the money that we've that our good uh, anoa custody Division council has saved to, to replace those assets when they're removed <laughs> then it's not it's not a stressor
6: yeah and it, it's interesting like like we will we will defend our core wormhole systems with everything we can, but uh i one of the things I've gotten asked a lot about is, well, are you going to defend us in in a in a freeport system i'm like no I, I, I'm, we're not going to defend you. Well, what if your structure' attacked I'm like, if we decide it's worth the content for our members, yeah, we'll defend it, but what if it goes down and we're like it's <laughs> It's a Raitaru or an Astro House. We'll re-anchor it in a week. Who cares?
4: Right, exactly. So there is a certain
6: freedom. So you're talking about a little bit about the freedom of not caring so much. And I think that gives us a little bit of space to, to work out. I mean, if someone were to burn us out of our, our core wormholes, you know, the fact is, is we have our fingers in another 20 or 30. So
0: that's how we feel about Fortisars now.
1: <laughs> anyway. but I wish I could feel like that about Fortisars.
0: A practice of detachment, right? Like that's a, yeah. it's a philosophy. The less you hold on to the. I think we're at twenty-two keep stars.
1: Oh my gosh! The thing
4: about the practice can, of detachment. Can I, a few of those? I really think Probably. that it. <laughs> um, Some of I really them could
3: think, and we wouldn't know.
4: I think it helps you enjoy even more when you don't have so many negative feelings about bad things happening. Yeah, it's just like whatever. Okay.
0: Yeah, it takes up a lot of energy. I know firsthand that when you're upset about a loss, like it takes up a lot of energy. You're you're thinking about it. You're pacing back and forth. But uh, I think so people
4: that, need something to care about, you know. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. In our case, what we care about is our credo and our community. The actual physical assets that we all have, we do not care about. That's different for other groups that hold SOV or whatever, and I understand that.
0: Yeah. So. That's a very good point and that goes right into the selflessness thing like if you care about if you care about the value then the items that you have that support the value don't matter as much and you don't get mad about them as much if you're holding on to money the opposite of that if you're holding on to money and your money gets lost you get really upset about it. Yeah, I mean,
4: that's part of the sandbox are the different approaches to to all of that.
6: We were... I
1: definitely, I definitely had to kind of adapt a different mindset. You know, when we were faced with losing everything, it was like I had to kind of force myself to have that detachment, because if I were going to obsess over every little ship that died, or all the ISK, or all the time, or anything like that, it would, it would just make you really depressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you, real... you know, you have to think about it. Is that like this is yeah. a game? These are all space pixels in some way or another. So you have mm. to think about it as what's really important to you. And for me, at least, it was always the community. Like, that's right. the most important part of this game. Right. And you can live nomadically. You can do whatever you want. You can have no assets. You can go wherever. But if you have the great community to back you, then that's what's important.
6: I think that's kind of the crux of it, though, is, is that at the end of the day, it is the community. And it, and it is the, you know, are people enjoying the game and are people excited and interested in whatever direction you are taking your particular group? The danger of things like, you know, you lose assets, whether it's a ship or stations or systems or whatever, is that, you know, some people do get demoralized and you do end up seeing membership drops for things like that. And so one of the things I've always felt is very important is trying to cultivating an attitude of the second something is not just the second. A sh- it's not just a second a ship is undocked. It's the second you anchor a station, that station's already dead. You just haven't Absolutely. gotten the kill mail yet. And it's just Absolutely. as true for a station and it's just as true for a wormhole system as it is for a ship.
4: That is the path to sanity.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't don't undock or don't put down anything that you can't afford to lose, right?
4: Well, right, exactly. So, you know, if if you're really subscribing to that attitude, you would hopefully have some money in the bank to replace it so that it's not so painful when you do lose it.
5: One of our members a few months ago came up with a little slogan that now a lot of folks put in their bio. And he said, this was uh, Odds Lenaluk, he said, we could lose all of our ships, all of our ISK, and still have a corp, still have a mission, and still have each other. And I mean, that's really how we feel in Signal Cartel about uh, the community. Um, And like the community, or like the Credo says, uh, we're a service corporation to all of New Eden. We we love our community and signal cartel. We care about that. We want to preserve that. But we don't, you know, we don't mean anything outside of the context of all of New Eden. And so we really care about that broader community too. And part of what we see our work being is to tend the roots of the Eve online community. We want to see this game and all of the amazing content that it's generated over the years remain viable for a long time yet to come. Amen.
4: I mean, that's one of the reasons we're so new, new player friendly and why we really work hard to give new players a very solid foundation. Lots, we have a lot of churn in our core. People join. They stay for a few weeks or a few months and then they move on because they're ready to move on. And that's great. I encourage them to do that because our way of life isn't going to be for everybody for the long term.
0: Right. But when That's,
4: they – I've had many people come back to me and say everything I learned in Signal Cartel prepared me better than I could have ever expected for a PVP life. And I love that. Amen.
1: It's all about getting people their foot in the door. You know, yeah. like wormhole space can seem really intimidating. It's so unknown. You don't know where you're going. You got to scan. If you forget something, you can just like lose your ship or just get lost or whatever. And having having a, a way to take that first step in – is so important because wormhole space, we're a small community and the more people we have, the more we thrive. Even if it's people who are like Signal Cartel who are worming around and they're not aggressive, it's still expanding the greater wormhole community. And everybody that's in wormhole space has a part to play in the community. And I think it's great that you guys offer a way in even if it's just temporary, even if it's just to get people in, you know, aware of it, even if they right. just join and then decide, oh, it's not for me, the fact that they're trying it is, is what's so great because it opens up those doors.
4: I tell yeah. you, nothing is more satisfying than to hear someone say, I started playing this game a week ago and I was terrified of wormholes, but you guys helped me feel confident to dive into wormholes and now I don't ever want to leave them.
1: That's, that's awesome. what I like to hear. You're doing you're doing a service to the wormhole community just by being there and offering a place in, not even like yeah. what you do as far as like right. your scanning or exploration or rescue, just by being a, a piece of the wormhole community. Yeah.
6: Yeah. I mean, that's that's always, I mean, that's it's one of the the tensions that we had early on was, you know, how do you characterize yourself as a group and the degree to which you are new player friendly and players who are friendly to new players who are new to wormhole space? you know, is going to impact things like your kill board. And so you have to decide very early on what is your priorities and what is important to you. And we made the decision for us, and I don't expect, I certainly wouldn't expect every group to, to make the same decision, uh, that for us, it was more important to pull people in and to cultivate them. And, and I think that that works really well. And, and sometimes we get some bitter vets uh, we started off, uh, the the whole our whole origin started off as being on the losing side of the front lines of the Stainwagon War. And after mm-hmm. that, one of my directors said, hey, what about this wormhole space thing? And I was like, ah, I don't know. And we tried it out mm-hmm. and then wound up never looking back.
4: Isn't that funny? Mm. It's fun to see how things just change over the course of your EVE
0: career and you
4: you find yeah. yourself in a situation where you never would have imagined it, and it turns out to be the most fun thing ever.
0: Doesn't so. it kind of follow like enlightenment? Like first, you have this like warrior energy that you need to get in there and master the game and uh, yeah, you know maybe. get good at this. And then yeah. after a while, you start realizing the repetition of life. Like you're just doing the same thing over and over again yeah. as you cycle through the lives, you know, because you keep coming back reincarnated.
4: You just get and to the zen hit- space. Yeah. yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> don't care about the little things. You um, care about the big one. Yeah. If you had told me back
3: in back when Minxie and I first met each other, <laughs> if you had told me that she would be doing this now and I would be doing this now, I would never told <laughs> you. And you wouldn't have been. I,
4: I know I wouldn't have. I would have said you're high. <laughs> I
3: have to tell you the story about how Minxie and I met each other. Uh in those days, Minxie was on was it CSM5?
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: I think it was CSM five, and I think you were the chairman at the chairperson
4: time. Yes, I, to um, my vast surprise, I got the most votes in that election.
3: Mazeltov, and I was <laughs> I was involved from the other side of the table because I was working for CCP in those days. And um, if you've never been on the CSM or thought too much about it, or maybe you're one of the candidates who's going to be announced next week at FanFest uh, this week. Um, One of the things that happens before the semi-annual trip to Iceland is that um, someone at CCP will put together a schedule. I bet it's Falcon this year. Uh, I'm just guessing. We'll put together a schedule of all the meetings for the days that the CSM is going to be there. And they'll circulate it around to – they'll send a copy to the CSM and they'll circulate a copy around CCP. And each group will have to prepare for their time slot. And I, I, you know, I did that too for my time slot and we got put into the meeting and introduced to everyone there. And, and, uh, I, I liked Minksy from the start and we had, uh, uh, you know, we had meetings together in a small room and then went out to dinner and, you know, went out drinking after the dinner and that's how it works (laughs) and these things. Uh, and, uh, it's a lot, it's long hours and it's a lot of hard work. Um, we got to know each other, and here she was a famous Eve pirate, and I was a <laughs> you know, a, I was a relatively new CCP employee who, uh, you know, ha, ha, was tackling a big job and didn't know what he was doing yet. It was just learning. It was a lot of fun.
1: I remember um,
4: vague little details about that meeting and our, our first marketing meeting with you, and you know, talking about product packaging, and oh, I can't remember exactly everything we discussed, but it was one of the better meetings of that first summit because we, it was a very stressful time to be on the CSM. I'll just put it like that.
0: <laughs> why, why was it stressful?
4: It was stressful because in those days, we, the, the tools and the access to devs was not there. And CCP was in a much different place in that, at that time, Amen. not necessarily a good place at all with regard to EVE. And we were all frustrated as players. We were, and we were frustrated about what was not happening with EVE. And we were frustrated on the CSM that we did not have the access to devs to even have Amen. any discussions at all except at the summit. And that was highly controlled by CCP. And we, we just kind of became very militant about it. Uh, about how we felt that the CCP should work with the CSM in terms of just talk to us, respond to our concerns. And and a lot of that didn't happen. And, and I was not only on that level was I frustrated. I was frustrated because a lot of the members on that CSM term, they may have been very active in their own groups. They were invisible in terms of group activity and supporting the group activity of the CSM.
3: And so... It was just,
5: <laughs> and in those
3: days, I'd only been playing for like a year. And, yeah, uh, my initial friends and family corporation had mm-hmm. dissolved and fallen apart, and I had moved into Eve University to learn how to play and to get good while working for CCP, and because it was a yeah. safe place to be. So yeah, sorry about the background noise. And I, uh, uh, I remember. And, and also I'm temporarily covering the marketing function because um, CCP Darth Beta was on maternity <laughs> leave. Uh, so I'm trying to do someone else's yeah. job and learn this game and do everything right. And, and Minxie was a breath of fresh air. And there were some other great Good, people uh, on that. Yes, I'm also, and we, you know, we would go out to dinner afterwards, and I get a chance to just listen and learn and talk and drop some of the formality, and that right. that was great. And I always do better with a, a glass of wine, to be honest. Uh, don't
4: we all? We should. They should actually serve wine at the CSM meetings. I
6: so, such a story. So, just to interject real quickly, so just to sort of add to that. So, uh, for those who don't know, so I'm also a uh, involved in uh, game design, a game designer in real life. And uh, it's very, very, I heard you were too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's very interesting for me to see when I play Eve, to see it from sort of the other side, because I'm familiar with what happens when you're on the inside and the complications and the discussions that happen. And it is an incredibly challenging. Uh, thing to manage uh, from from that side, and so it's always been very interesting to me to hear this stuff and see how people are going. Like, well, oh, why are the CSMs doing this? And I'm like, because it's not their call, and they their power is very circumscribed. And even when you're talking to a community manager, their ability is very very circumscribed.
4: But in back in the day when I was on the CSM, which was 2010, CCP came up with this grand idea to make the CSM a stakeholder. And I think they thought that sounded great because it would really read well in the press and everything, but they unfortunately didn't understand how seriously I was going to take them at their word that the CSM was indeed a stakeholder in the no, future. No, some did and
3: some didn't. <laughs> Internally, <laughs> some f- folks had that intention. They, they fully intended it. Uh-huh. Some people didn't really know what it meant. Some uh-huh. people were just going along for the ride and don't ride. have time to think about this.
4: But as everyone knows by now, when I decide to do something, I do it to the best of my ability. <laughs> so that doesn't always um, – it's not always the kindest, gentlest way of this, uh, this is doing all... things.
0: This was all happening at a time that was critical for EVE Online. I really see this as like a fault line uh, between old and new EVE. And that was, Mm. uh, they were working on uh, walking in stations at this time when you were there behind the scenes. And you were really in the middle of that because I think you published a Hey, there's not a lot to show for all the stuff, all the time that we've waited for things, didn't you? We published
4: we published an open letter expressing our great concerns about that and the direction of microtransactions, which were clearly uh, what Incarnate was going to be used to introduce to Eve, and we were really chastised (laughs) for that letter uh, in that uh, we just didn't get talked to again.
0: By CCP, you were chastised.
4: Pretty much. I mean, Mm -hmm. mean, silently chastised. And then much of the player base, too, just thought it was a terrible move. But we just felt like, you know, they had six weeks to review our draft and respond. All we really wanted was a conversation. That's it. That's it and we weren't well, getting it. And your, you know, your we predictions
0: went, your predictions when you wrote them down came out came out true, didn't they? Well,
4: we went to a meeting with the Incarna team and they didn't have anything to show for anything. And we were like, what, what this is coming out in 6 months. How can you not have anything to show us for it? So we were really freaking out about how they were going to pull this off with any credibility, and they didn't, obviously. So Anyway, but fortunately, I think for Eve, things the ship turned between that CSM and the next couple. Things turned for the better. There were personnel changes in, within CCP, and I just feel like they got back on track. Thank God.
0: <laughs> but I think that also ushered out a certain sense of CSM. Before that, it is kind of a, a popularity contest or a, you know, kind of a favorites. I don't think there was a lot of null block involvement at the time. But then, no, I
4: don't, after, I don't, I don't think there was. Yeah, there was
0: It was more like, oh, you know, we're not paying attention to that. It's a beauty contest. And then your reign your happened. And then Matani's like, I'm getting into this. And then everybody starts getting into it. And that's when you start seeing the blocked, controlled uh, CSM.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't pay that much attention to that idea, mainly because mm-hmm. everybody who's in Nulsek has characters everywhere in the game game. So I just feel like the idea that a NullSec block controlled CSM is...
0: Yeah, it's really more of a publicity idea than it is in
6: reality. Uh, but yeah. It, it, it's interesting you talk about like the publicity side of it too, because it's one of the things that's very interesting about EVE is when you look at the, the, the demographics in terms of the in-game where people are, NullSec is not the majority of the people. Of who play the game, and something like world Space is, of course, a very small percentage as well. But the narratives that get driven and get publicized are all very much at a uh, focused on. The I think act. I just
4: discon- I think I disconnected, and you I did. didn't hear. Yeah,
6: sorry, guys.
0: Oh, it's okay. We just uh, we're moving on. Uh, Heretic was just saying, uh, go ahead, say it again.
6: Oh no, I was saying that it's interesting to me how the the, the demographic distribution in, in Eve as a whole. The Nulsec drives the narratives that are that dominate, especially. Uh, ccp's marketing because it's the you know i've got a thousand ships whatever in here and it's this huge battle even though the time dilation is mm-hmm. such that i could go up and get a coffee and come back in 15 minutes and nothing's changed um, your son could grow a
0: few years before you know the battle is over but but that was actually
6: one of the things that i find really interesting about like there was the you know as, as horrible as 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 your the, the eviction attempt was uh with uh, uh in hydra um it's it's inter- it's nice to see some Uh, uh, more of the narratives being pulled from a broader thing, because there are all these other stories and all these other things that are happening. And it's just, it's not just about numbers.
5: Yeah. Heretic, just to jump off that too, um, you know, I wanted to see more gaming press talk about, different aspects of EVE Online uh, as well. And the recent PC Gamer article that uh, featured Signal Cartel and what we do, uh, same thing. I was just so glad to see something else get published that talked about something that wasn't a huge null sec war Um or a massive betrayal, or a huge court theft. Uh, Because I think that's off-putting to a big swath of gamers that would love EVE Online, but all they know about it is, oh, that's that awful game filled with terrible people. And I love for the message to get out there, hey, EVE Online is actually the home of some of the greatest uh, game communities you'll ever be a part of. And the people are actually mostly wonderful, you know. Um, so anyway, I just love that that is starting to get uh, talked about more uh, in the media and in the public eye.
6: As as a game designer, video game designer, one of the things I like, and I think this was mentioned earlier, is that emergent gameplay uh, is sort of the 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 gold standard for in my perspective for for a game. And Eve, it's one of the things I think that makes Eve very special. And so you get these, and I know Kesky, because we have talked about this before in the past, where there's the the there are these expectations. There's the social meta for this is how you're supposed to behave and this is what you're supposed to do if you're in a null sec coalition and this is what you're supposed to do in wormhole space. And one of the things I find interesting, whatever game I'm in, I did this when I played Shadowbane. I, I I do it now in Eve. Is try to buck that trend and try to come up with alterations on whatever the social or uh, uh, social or group meta is. So for us, for example, wormlife, Life. It doesn't fit into any kind of conventional wormhole group definition, um, but it kind of works. So it's interesting exploring that and seeing how far that kind of thing goes. And similarly with Signal Cartel, it, it bucks that that assum- those assumptions.
4: I think there's a lot of different stories that could be told and explored in EVE that don't sort of fit any standard mold. And it just takes energy and creativity to figure something out and make it happen. I think
1: what's, I mean, people sometimes I think kind of forget that EVE is supposed to be the ultimate sandbox. I mean, we put these kind of stipulations in place ourselves. Like there's nothing that says that Nullsec has to be this certain way. There's nothing that says that you have to be in this kind of wormhole with this kind of group in order to play in wormhole space. Like these kind of restrictions are put on by other groups. And I think it's really cool when someone will come up and say, well, what's something that's not being done? What's something totally different? I think we need more of that, honestly.
0: Well, it needs to get out there more. I think people are doing it, and even if they do it, if it's done in silence, it's kind of like a tree falling in a forest—did uh, it or didn't it?
1: But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the people who speak the loudest are the ones that are going to get heard, which is unfortunate because there there are so it's a, many. It's a few, weird catch facets of this game.
0: It's a weird catch twenty two for from from speaking from the media side of things, and you know, we have a show and we publicize things. Uh, sometimes it's null sex, sometimes it's not. There's INN that does news, sometimes it's about Sex, sometimes it's not. But from a, from this point of view, there seems to be a feeling like if you're not talking about the epic themes then nobody's listening. And I think that's completely wrong. And you can see that by how many people are watching this live now, it's over 270.
1: So, I would really, I'd really encourage everybody to join the Talking Stations Discord. Because I would love to hear about all these things that are going on, the small things, yeah. the little things, the things that make your weekend. Like, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be this big, epic fight. I mean, personally, with our eviction, it was huge and it was big and it was publicized. And, I mean, I don't need that in my life more than, like, once a year. Like, <laughs> I would <laughs> rather have those little small victories that happen that make you, like, really excited about the game. Because those are the things that keep the game moving. Like there's no way that people, players would be able to sustain if those big epic fights were the things that happened every day. You know, Eve is, is it's like, a, I mean, it's like real life. You know, it's like your hobby. It happens every day. It's the things right. that happen, the, the daily things that make it special. So anyone, I, I really encourage, get on the Talking in Stations Discord. If you have a cool story, I would love to hear it. Message me if you don't want to put it in public. I would love to start hearing some of these little stories and like gathering some some collections of stories. I think that'd be amazing.
4: You could do a whole show with people from smaller little smaller corps that are doing their own thing but maybe have an interesting slant on how they do stuff or have some interesting tales to tell about how they got to where they are.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, we'll do that. I think I think in the future we're going to start to for all the big voices that we help represent, we're going to start to or, or do more to represent the smaller voices. But Johnny, I did want to come back to streaming, as I was just reminded. How's it going? <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> you did did a great job. Is he still um, there?
2: Yeah, I'm here. Okay. No, it's ah uh, it's great. I've been doing it for three years, I think, um, and kind of more serious over the last couple of years. And um, I I don't know. I first started just mainly because I love Eve online and i wanted to share that with other people so when i stream i always try to keep in mind like i'm an ambassador for the eve you know the game and the community and so there's always like tons of people that are interested in eve they stop in it's every single stream i have someone's like oh i'm interested in eve and where do i get started or i'm new to eve and i don't know how to do this and that sort of thing and so it i've always just kind of see myself as someone that could Um, share that love and then also just kind of be silly too and have fun with it so i'm it's it's a little bit difficult because i stream underneath the eve scout signal cartel banner on top of it so um there's some difficulty with that because a lot of people like to see explosions so i can't necessarily go out and um you know go into low low sec and
0: shoot fireworks
2: (laughs) yeah we can do that but there's a lot of really other great streamers out there that uh go out and shoot things. We have Bjorn and Zarvox and FinTru and Jebby and um and, and the list goes on and on and on. Um and they all kind of stream from that perspective. But I've always felt a little bit um I don't know um held back from that sort of content. So what I do is I try to be someone who's just tries to remain uh positive and try to be silly and and just teach. And yeah. what's cool is like we've actually it's been a great recruitment tool. So a lot of uh, groups typically don't, um, I guess, appreciate streamers within. And I think a lot of groups are overlooking the um, opportunity there to have people join their community as well. So um, so many people come into my stream and they're like, hey, I'd like to do exploration. And It's like, well, I, I might know a corporation that can, <laughs> could fill that, um, <laughs> that, that spot for you. And um, a lot of other groups, they're kind of, they have a lot of, con- I guess, control over the content that their streamers create. And um, that's sometimes a, a little bit of shame, um, or a shame because I think it's, yeah, a great way to, to have people join their community.
0: So it must put a lot of pressure on you to, to say, uh, to play the game without doing the PVP aspect of it, at least uh, in initiating the PVP.
2: I ride the line really close. Do you, do you like, yeah, closer very, than probably a lot of people would be. To comfortable to mm-hmm. Um, I fly stupid things, so oh. I don't. I don't. I don't typically when I fly exploration like off stream. I'll I'll fly your kind of typical things like Asteros or even interceptors and T three cruisers. But on stream, you'll catch me flying super carriers. And uh, exploration yeah. I've I've flown every capital on stream, even a Titan. So I kind of go out to the extreme, and then I have a segment that I have every week that's called Funky Fit. And so I purposely try to fly, fly something that's not meant for exploration. And that sometimes brings content um, that is me trying to escape the situation or I, I can't. So that that's always been kind of a, a hard one. But um, it's also, I, for me, a lot more um exciting to be flying something like a dominix and getting chased around a wormhole like just kind of creates more drama
0: all right so i have to ask like i've seen this around it's you in a, a speedos and nothing else and an american flag what's that about
2: oh well it's just memes you know it's it's twitch and that sort of thing and early on i had a like three follow gifts that i had as most channels have some sort of thing. And um, one of them was a guy with fireworks and a dancing speedo. And it was just randomly go through and people gravitated to that. And so it's become kind of the strange identity of the, of the stream. I even <laughs> yeah, have, like, a, uh, I have a story behind it that I'll share about like that is really sure. me and I can trick people into it sometimes. They actually fully believe that's like really me. I'm like, what? But um, it's just a meme, that's all it is. It's marketing.
4: It's hilarious. It's just yeah. so funny. I never get tired of watching that give <laughs> oh <God. laughs> It's so outrageous.
0: All right. So, so can Johnny, can you describe what we're seeing
2: on screen right now? Uh, yeah. Or, that's... Yeah. Or the or the GIF. Like, what
0: for the people who can't see it, like they're listening. What 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 is it?
2: Oh yeah, thank you. Um it's it's a guy in an American flag Speedo that um is on some sort, sort of, of green a screen. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of a nineteen
4: sixties really, guy.
2: Yeah, he has a nice bushy um <laughs> mustache and that sort of thing. And he's just having a he has a really uh, incredible dance. Let's just say that. And so um with that I had a really nice sound clip and it kind of goes along with it. And it's for some reason it's survived all this time and people always appreciate. it. I have tons of people that just unfollow me for the <laughs> opportunity to refollow me again just so they can do that so and um unfortunately i made a mistake early on of dancing on stream as well so if you were to watch my stream you'd see me dance on camera just kind of a little bit and um yeah I'm, i sometimes regret that a little bit but uh, people enjoy that too so hey gotta
0: entertain the masses
2: exactly yeah.
0: no but i think it's great you're uh, an ambassador to eve online because i think uh, people who are playing the game may say it's really amazing to me and if you're not aware of this you should be that the next generation of kids are not watching television they're watching youtube and they're watching stuff they're interested in sports or games and um they're like yeah it's uh, it's going to be a completely different world uh, when all this crowdsourced material uh, gets done you know becomes the mainstream which will happen so I think how, streaming is a big deal. Like people need to know that this is the future of uh, entertainment. And anyway, go ahead, Johnny.
2: Yeah, I I think it's um one of the nice things about, and I I really appreciate about the Eve Online community and specifically the streaming community, is I I kind of think that it's like we're this weird cul-de-sac, <laughs> you know? Uh, if Twitch was a city and you had all these different main streets and that sort of thing, we we're kind of like this little cul-de-sac. That a lot of people don't quite understand the game and it's intimidating to watch sometimes as well like you, a lot going on if you watch you know the big fleet battles that might be on your channel era Varans and others um, it's intimidating or you'll watch another stream and just things happen really quickly or things are not happening at all but i would say all the other streamers that um, stream eve they I, th- I i believe they all kind of come with the same mindset um, as far as being ambassadors and um, it's, it's really interesting because we have so many new people come in and we try to answer all their questions and that sort of thing and just try to be very inviting as that's just an extension of the eve online community in general we are we are very inclusive to new players unlike a lot of other communities i think a lot of people are taken back by that and so i it's just an honor to stream alongside of everyone else and we just had this big event on friday um where it was twitch versus eve and so we had all the uh Twitch streamers that that you know predominantly stream Eve that wanted to join up. We all got into fleets together and we flew around and you know tried to entertain and got blown up and had a lot of fun.
0: Well, I, I think the interesting thing is when when people turn on Eve and it's a different game than most. People are like, "Well, well where is it?" And you know, it, I don't think you can just kind of bring it up on cue unless you go out and PvP. And that's why a lot of streamers do that sort of thing. But I I want to do something like you know, slow TV, where you have like, you basically just watch somebody play the game. I just don't think people would watch that, but maybe some would. It'd be meditative, you know, to hear all the sounds and stuff in game. I'm picturing
3: someone uh, stirring a saucepan.
0: (laughs) It's like if, it's like, uh, I think it's, um, oh, I'll I'll get it wrong, but it might be Netherlands, where they basically put a a camera on a train and just go for seven hours and you just watch the train tracks. Or um, or they basically focus in on a cow on you know, in the countryside and just, you know, for like 15 minutes, you want to look at the cow and see what it's going to do. And it may do nothing, but you're you're communing with stillness, with boredom, with the small moments and small details of life. And that's I think you could do the same thing with Eve because Eve is kind of a virtual world in that way. You can you can, you can sit there and watch the slow moments of Eve. Now, would somebody want to do mm-hmm. that? I don't know. I find it meditative. Well, the sounds, the uh, music, everything.
4: The thing is, like with Johnny's stream in particular, even if he's playing even and it's a slow thing, like scanning can be slow and kind of boring, he's educating along the way. So he's explaining things and he's going off on tangents to go down little sidetracks of explanation. And I think it's one of the reasons why his stream is so mm-hmm. well received, by, especially by newer players. We do get a lot of new people coming into to signal from that stream.
0: Oh, that's good. They, uh, yeah. I, anyway, I can go on about that. We'll, we'll take this topic up another time when we, uh, I have one last question, if we can jump into it. We have just a few minutes, so we'll try it. Uh, Minxie, you and I talked about this. And I really loved your answer, but what, what makes people stick with Eve so long?
4: I forgot what my answer was. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll
0: tell you what your answer was.
4: Okay. <laughs> it was a
0: great, like multi-tiered thing. Like you first, okay. you start out. Do you remember?
4: I remember typing the answer. I don't remember exactly what I said, but you probably have it right in front of you. So please feel well, free to quote
0: Well, me. yeah. I mean, when, <laughs> when you dole out wisdom all the time, it's like, oh yeah, that's just another, you know, th- top of my head. But for me, it was like, oh my God, what? how enlightening. Uh, and that was like, people play for different reasons, obviously. And one of the things, because that's a very, very true answer. One of the things was you start out and you just want to figure out the game. And then Later, you you find a niche you want to get good at, and you do that for a while, and then you start doing another one, and then you do another one. And, and so basically, you're doing A Thousand and One Nights, right? Like that book where there was always one more yeah. story.
4: Well, and uh, I think there's an evolution too. You get to a certain point where it's no longer about the game because you know the game well enough to play it adequately at least. And it does, depending on your nature, become more about the community. And then if you happen to be a person who's a creator or a builder then that starts to come into play and I think it takes time I see a lot of newer players saying how can I start a corp and create a successful corp and get people to join it well good luck with that I mean it's it's not easy to do I think there it takes a lot of skills and it takes game knowledge to actually make it work well um not that anybody can't do it. They could possibly, but they probably have all those real life skills that they would bring into it to make it happen. So there's this evolution of EVE player over time. And I think it would be kind of interesting to map that, like do a survey of a bunch of EVE players who've played for five or 10 years and see if there's any points of commonality in their evolution.
1: Yeah,
0: there's a couple of shows we have to do with you, Minxie. One is that one. Like, <laughs> Why do people play that long? But the other one is uh, the, uh, what is it, uh, Expired NDA Show on CCP. And we'll get uh, uh, and Carneros, and you. Yeah, and
4: It'll be short. I'll just say there was nothing said because there was <laughs> nothing told. But I will say this. I would not still be playing Eve if not for Johnny Splunk. So more power to you, oh. Johnny.
2: Hmm. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh all right thanks very much for a great show uh this was nice it's a real treat it's awesome and, uh, thank you I want to say thank you to um heretic uh for coming on and telling us about what was it called worm life worm life worm life, life. life reports thanks for I having had this I had to scroll back up and I, my mouse wasn't cooperating sorry uh worm life uh so that's that was really cool to find out and uh thrice thanks for telling us um, Gosh, about uh, the you know the rescues that you do and how AI assists—that's just amazing to me.
5: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Uh, all right, just a, a few program notes. We'll go into um, there is a, an opening for a new position at Talking and Stations, and that is a uh, content producer, and that was someone that will help the show get off on time and finish up on time. What you're trying to do, and also help um, you know put the stuff together. We'll pay like uh, a billion isk per show. And, uh, and hopefully we'll get some candidates for that. You can find us on Discord. Uh, we'll put that into the chat right now. We'll also put it into the show notes. You can always go to talkinginstations.com and get to the Discord that way. And you'll see there is a channel called Help Wanted. Uh, I want to say uh, thanks for the subscriptions today, and uh, G. Bloon for tipping, uh, as well as Oh Lothar Mandrake tipped a hundred dollars too. That's uh, unusual, and thank you very Holy much. Cow. Yeah, really wow, appreciate thanks. that. Hi wow. Arian Rod. We also want to remind you guys that uh, to support the show, we have a Patreon that you can uh, donate to. That's also found on talkingstations.com. And uh, we are thinking about and considering and figuring out how to raise money uh, for in game stuff in the show so that we can actually um, create a higher quality and maybe even more material for you guys as we get going. All right, so uh, thanks everyone, and uh, especially McLeod, who's doing our engineering. Uh, as always. And thank you for the uh, subscribers and supporters and join the discord when you get a chance. Uh, That is all we have time for this week. We will see you next week on Talking In